Hey, Next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show. I really appreciate all your support. If you're enjoying the show, please go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. Just go to podcastmagazine.com forward slash Hot 50. Stay up to date with our guest schedule by going online to nextonthetea.net. I really appreciate you. Enjoy the segment. Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. My buddies and I were there last year for our annual golf trip, and it was so amazing. We're going back again this year. Everything about the place is first class. We had great accommodations. The practice facility is wonderful. The on-premise restaurant, which is called The Craig, has outstanding food and service. And the course lived up to every great expectation that we had for it. I can't say enough great things about the place. Folks, you got to go online to themacklemore.com to see how spectacular it is for yourself. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. Our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, Outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all saying such great things about the course and the resort by going online to themacklemore.com. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade. Golf's an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made the all-new TaylorMade Stealth Irons. Stealth Irons feature a cap-back design with a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance through the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less than perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. All right, now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tom and I reach another milestone tonight because it's visit number 60 with him on the show, which proves I am a glutton for punishment. For everyone in the Naples and Fort Myers areas, if you want to play your best golf in 2022, go see Tom at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club in Fort Myers. You don't have much time now because in a couple of months, Tom is going to be back for a second year at Farmington Country Club up in Charlottesville, Virginia. So get ready if you're in the Virginia, West Virginia, or D.C. areas. If you can't go see Tom in person, download the V1 video app and send him videos of your golf swing. He can help get you dialed in through that app. Plus, check out his website, TomPatry.com, and give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can watch nearly 150 free video playing lessons. He's uploaded some great ones here in the last couple of days. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, and it always makes me smile to say he is now back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? How are you, Tom? Oh, boy, Chrissy, it's unbelievable. So great talking to you. It's unbelievable to hear your voice. Just incredible. <laughs> I feel the same. Tom, I want to start yeah. our time tonight. I got to get your thoughts. We got a new world number one, Scotty Scheffler. Only Tiger and Jordan Spieth needed fewer starts to reach number one. Now, keep in mind, for all of you wondering how fast Jack or Seve Reached number one. The World Golf Rankings didn't come into being until 1986. So those legends aren't factored in here. But, Tom, we all know that Scotty has won three of his last five starts. 
It was 42 days from his first tour win to becoming number one in the world. Shortest time period in history for that to happen. Is he a player that you think has staying power at the top of the ranking? Well, you know, Christy, if you look at his if you look at his record as a golfer, going back to his junior days, I mean, he's won consistently at every level he's played at. You know, U.S. Junior Champion, great college player. Um, you know, proved himself. You know, rising through the ranks. And you know, if you watch him in the last couple of years, he had some really, really near misses and 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 didn't do much wrong. Got beat by a couple of people that played better. Um, and you know, just got on a little bit of roll and get that little that just a little insurgence of confidence and get over that hump. He was a guy you were waiting to win once. You thought the floodgates would open, and they certainly did. Um, you know, he's played some incredible golf the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the, of the computer rankings because and I'm not taking anything away from Scotty's three wins, but to, to go from where he was to world number one because of one hot streak in one short period of time, I don't think that's a good barometer for world number one. We certainly, if you look over, you know, if you look over a body of work of a year or two year period, uh, I just think there would be more, you know, more advantageous to really deciding who's number one in the world. But certainly, he's on a hell of a streak right now. He's hot, and and maybe getting hot right at the right time with that little trip to that place in Georgia coming up, huh? Indeed. Before we before we talk about it, guest, I want to get your thoughts. World the, the WGC, the World Golf Championship, awful lot of golf has to be played oh in God. order to advance, you know, into the final rounds and to win the darn thing. I mean, Scotty played 66 holes and four matches just between Saturday and Sunday alone. And then you got, you know, the three matches to start, you know, the bracket play, and that that, that gets you to the round of 16, and you got to win to get to the eighth, and then obviously to the four. <laughs> so that's a heck of a lot of golf to play to win the WGC. I mean, I think Kevin Kisner, who had a heck of a run, just was out of gas by the finals Sunday afternoon. It seems to me like it's an awful lot of golf to ask, ask a bunch of guys to play, you know, two weeks before the Masters. And, and oh, by the way, for Scotty Seffler, this week's the Valero Texas Open. He's a Texas guy. I'm sure he'd love to go back yeah. and play that tournament. I don't know that there's anything left in the tank for that. And then if he does do that, then you get to go walk Augusta National, which you and I both know is no easy walk in the park, to take on that golf course. I mean, that's just so much golf and so much effort in a short period of time. Is it too much? They just came off the Florida swing where they got their asses kicked at Bay Hill. That, that golf course at, 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 in Tampa is not an easy golf course, right? Yeah. The, uh, the bear trap at West Palm Beach is not an easy golf course. And, and, and then they go and they play a marathon in the WGC. And it's all leading up to, you know, probably in, in some people's books, the most important week of the year in April at, at a tournament you and I hold very dear. I, I got to question the schedule and, and I got to question the difficulty of the golf courses in the stretch. I got to tell you, if I was playing really well and had played Bay Hill and West Palm and Valspar, I don't care how much money's involved. And I didn't talk about TPC, did I? In the marathon no. there, right? Right. I don't know if I would have. I, I, I might have skipped this one. I probably, probably played two out of the four in Florida and skipped this and maybe played the Texas Open and then gone to Augusta. But I, I, I think scheduling is really difficult. And I know they're playing for a lot of money, you know, at, at TPC. You can't skip 
can't skip TPC, obviously, and that's got to be on your schedule. And you got to be, you got to be fresh for Augusta. You got to be rested for Augusta. I, I got to question some of these, some of these schedules. I really do. Yeah, and I feel bad for Scheffler because, hey, great win, no question. And like you say, he's on a heater and all that sort of stuff. But I'm sure he he would love to win the Texas Open, being a Texas guy. But I just don't know how you go from playing all that golf at the WGC, then go to Texas, and then go to Augusta National. I just don't think, to your point, I don't think you can be rested, and I don't think you can be in top form going through all of that. I mean, young guys, I get it. Maybe they have all that stamina in the world, and they're in great shape and all that sort of stuff. I just think it's asking a lot. Like you said, Chris, Augusta's no easy walk in the park. And if I'm Scotty, I got, you know, I know you want to play in Texas and everything, but I, I got to hope, I got to hope for his sake that he's got the sense to take this week off and rest and, and maybe get to Augusta a couple of days early and, you know, play some nine hole rounds and just kind of ease into it. And speaking of Augusta National, Tom, everybody's all abuzz now. Tiger showing up there today to what I imagine is to see if he can just walk that golf course. I mean, it's going to be a, a tough task. Like we say, it's one of the toughest walks in golf. And if he can walk the golf course, if he can do it in back-to-back days, let alone play golf, I just think he's trying to measure up whether he can do it or not. I don't know. What do you think? What uh, What do you think are his chances of actually teeing it up on Thursday? I I didn't you know I didn't think for a second, and I got to admit that I, I may I may be wrong. I don't know yet. We don't know yet, but. I didn't think for a second he was going to play Augusta. I thought he was going to wait till probably St. Andrews and play a much flatter golf course um, and make that his comeback place. But you know, every time you and I pull, you know, tell him, tell this guy, think this guy can't do something, he pulls a rabbit out of his hat, and we both look like a bunch of idiots, you know. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm done pulling against him. I'm, I'm kind of trying to guess what he can and can't do because I think, you know, once he puts the cape on and yes on his chest, he can do just about anything in the world. But uh, I, boy, I tell you, I gotta believe with what we saw him go through medically and physically that 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 walk's gotta be brutal for four or five days in a row. You know, depending on practice rounds and how he approaches it. And I, I if he if he does it and pulls it off and plays even half decently, it would be spectacular, just spectacular. Tom, as a guy who played his college golf in Florida, I've got Mark Kalkovecchia joining me here a little bit later on tonight. He went to the University of Florida. I imagine you ran into Mark once or twice and the guys he played with and that Florida team. What do you remember about Mark being at the University of Florida? First of all, Mark Kalkovecchia is such a great guy. He's a, he's a, an old friend. We, we, you know, far as Southern and Florida played in a lot of terms, even though we were a Division II team. We played in a lot of the same tournaments back then. It was a little different. College golf was a little different then. And we had a good team, and we got invited to a lot of D1 tournaments. Uh, that team was uh, a couple of names you'll know. Kenny Green was on that team. Rick Pearson was on that team. Billy Britton was on that team. Uh, a guy named Larry Rents, who you may or may not know, who played before a little bit off and on, and was a really, really good player who was on that team. Um, and... I, I just remember every guy in that team was a character, and they, they were they were just out of their minds. I remember one story that Mark told me. Uh, Larry Rents was a hell of an athlete from Lanham, Maryland, and Charlie Pells, Charlie Pell was the football coach at Florida, and he had an open tryout going on, and, and Rents went over with his open tryout. He was on scholarship on the golf team, 
and John Dar was the golf coach, and he got this phone call that he better run over to the football stadium because Larry Wrench was about to make the football team. And he went over there, and he was trying out for punter. And and Pell had Pell, Tony Pell had a guy on, on scholarship that was a you know almost an all American punter, and Wrench was wearing him out. <laughs> and they ran over there, and he and he begged Charlie Post, this guy is one of my best players, and Calc was with him, and he said, and Dar was like pleading with him just to you know. And luckily, in the punt off, the, the the punter that was on the football team just got him by a couple of yards in the last punt off, and or it was, <laughs> Rince would have been wearing a helmet, not carrying a golf bag. <laughs> but they they had some great athletes on the team. I mean, obviously, Mark went on to win the British Open, and uh, and you know Kenny Green was a was a Ryder Cup player. Rick Pearson played uh, off and on on tour. Was a really fine player. Billy Britton won on tour. All on the same on the same college team, and it was a hell of a team. And uh, and and those guys were just fun. Every one of them was a fun guy. Every single one of them. Tom, switching gears a little bit, want to get your thoughts on Bryson DeChambeau and the fact that we haven't seen a lot of Bryson lately. Injuries, things like that, happening to him. Yeah, your thoughts on all the things that we were praising him for last year? Hmm, starting to feel a little different this year. You know, Chris, you and I had a little discussion off the air, and, and I, I'm not saying anything happened or didn't happen, but, you know, he, he really got very, very strong very, very quickly during COVID. Uh, his body changed very, very rapidly. And, and, you know, I've always said that if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it waddles like a duck, there's a good chance it's a duck. And then all of a sudden, he's got these injuries all of a sudden. Do you have any idea what might have been going on there, Chris? <laughs> I would hate to speculate, TP. I don't think that's not possible, right? I'm just, I, I can't, I can't, that couldn't be possible, right? I'm, I mean, I'm just barking up the wrong tree. I gotta be, right? You gotta be. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. What you're thinking can't be. So. Yeah, no, can't be. I'll just put that aside. I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> Tom, for. Those of us that uh, subscribe to your email newsletter, and everybody should go to Tom's website, tompatry.com, to sign up. You wrote something that I that I found very profound, and you said, "I have always felt the X factor between good and great is attitude." Personally, I've never been very good as a social golfer. My training and mindset have always been competitively competitively driven. I needed the green light to be on. You could be the most sound technician on the planet, but without attitude, you are a zero gamer. I always loved when my palms were sweaty, my hands trembled a bit, and I had trouble breathing. When I felt that way, headed to the first tee, I knew I was tuned in. If you can't embrace those feelings, in my opinion, yours, you'll never be a gamer. Without those feelings, I was never at my best. I missed those days. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, Chris, I, I remember the first experience that, that, that was experience that's most vivid in my mind about that is I, I played the South African Tour in '84, and I uh, I, I got paired in the first round of the South African Masters with a player named Ubayaki, who's not a household name to American players, certainly in this day and age. But Ubayaki won multiple times on the European Tour, South African Open champion, uh, played in several Masters, really, really fine, world class player, and he, he certainly was a superstar in South Africa. And why they paired me with him in the first round? I guess it was that NCAA Division II National Championship that got me there. But <laughs> they, paired me with, they paired me with them. And, and I remember going into the locker room on Wednesday after my practice and looking at the pairing sheet, and I saw who I was paired with. And I knew who he was. And I knew how big his name was in South Africa. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, 
because the South African Masters in South Africa, even in 84, their tour is a TV tour. It's got ropes and galleries. It's got grandstands. And, they, and, and the people really come out and support that tour. And I remember warming up on Thursday morning, and, and you know, the place was buzzing, and everybody was, it was in Cape Town. It was on a Minx golf course. It was a pretty hard golf course. The wind was blowing. And, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. And I walked to the first tee, and it, it was it was there was a lot of people around the first tee. You know, it was packed. And I walked to inside ropes and, and greeted the starter and walked into the back left corner of the tee. And I had sunglasses on. I pulled my visor down. And I remember that I was just, you know, absolutely going to, I thought I was going to pee down my leg. Um, and I was back there with my caddy. And then all of a sudden there was this, this rumbling and this noise and some applause. And I, I knew what was going on. Mr. Baki was coming to the first tee. And he walked on the first tee and kind of stopped by the, by the tee markers and was kind of lounging through his bag a little bit. And he looked back. And he saw me standing quite a ways back on the tee in the corner, and he walked back to me. And this is this would never happen today, and very few people would do this. But he extended his hand and he said, "Tom, uh, I'm Nubayaki." And I, and I kind of was like, "Yeah, I know who you, I know who you are." You know, I didn't even say, and he, and he said, "He said, are you okay?" He could clearly see that I was crapping my pants. And I said, uh, "No, not really." And he put his arm around me and he said, "You know what?" He said, "Let me tell you something. You hit a nice old tee shot this first tee. By the time we get up to the screen." They're all going to be invisible. And I thought to myself, what? And my hands were shaking. I was kind of clammy, and I was having trouble breathing. And, and he, hit a, he hit a beautiful drive off of number one, and it was my turn to hit. And I got up there, and I, I remember Chris just thinking, God Almighty, just make contact with this thing. Just, just hit it on the face somewhere. And somehow I hit a really solid shot down the middle. We walked down to the one, and we hit our second shots on the green. And I hold about a 15-footer for three. And we're walking to the second tee, and these people are running to the second tee around us. And he put his arm back around me again. He said, "They're all kind of, they're all kind of invisible now, aren't they?" And I said, "You know, they really are." He goes, "Let's have some fun." Wow. And I remember, I remember that he didn't. You know, who would do that, right, to a to a competitor? I mean, who would be that gracious and that that humble and that nice and, and realize that the young guy was really, really needed some oxygen? Um, but it, it really it felt great in that, I mean, as, as crazy as it sounds, all those feelings, I've always embraced those feelings. They, I knew when I felt that way that I was, I was ready to play golf. And I am a terrible social golfer. When I, when I, I go out there, I go out there nowadays with members and I'm, I'm always good for 75 because I just, I'm just going to make a couple of sloppy swings and, you know, people are chatting about what they had for dinner last night and how good the wine was and, whose cocktail party they went to. And that's just not, that's just not the way I was raised on golf. You know, and I was, I was raised and, and I was kind of groomed to compete and that anybody who wants to compete has been in that mode. And, and if Trevino was good at that and there, there were players that are good at that, I, I was never good at that. Chi Chi was good at that. And I had, it had to mean something a little bit more for me to get, to get locked in. Um, and I think that these, these young kids, they with cell phones and social media and, iPads and earbuds and I, I just don't see many of them as tuned in as as either I was or guys that I really respected as competitors were. I think it's it's I think it's a different animal today. Tom, let's switch gears a little bit. And speaking of being ready to play golf, I want to get a couple of lessons from you. As you know, do you have any money? Um, do, you have, do you have any money? Do you have any money? <laughs> we'll talk off the air. Money? Do you have, Chris, do you have Venmo? Do you have Venmo? <laughs> I've heard of that. I don't know what to do with it, but I've heard of it. 
for those of us that don't live in Florida and like my hometown, Pittsburgh, got snow over the weekend. Um, golf isn't exactly like riding a bike. You can't just pick it out of the garage, take it out of the garage and then start riding. Um, for those of us that are just starting to get ready for a new golf season, talk to us about being prepared and really getting our games kind of the rust off of it and being ready to go out there and play. Do we need to start from the beginning? Are you a proponent of, Hey, let's, let's go back to the fundamentals. Let's, let's go through the grip, the posture and all of that. Um, talk, talk to us about how you like to get your students ready for the first rounds of the year. Well, cause I, you, you know, you know, the answer to this question because you know me long enough. I mean, I, I just think if you have been doing things all winter long, like swinging an orange grip or swinging a weighted club or stretching or putting indoors or, you know, finding a place with heaters to hit balls at least once a week or just keeping keeping yourself somewhat what I call golf attached, um, I think you're really behind the eight ball if you waited this long. If you have waited this long, you know, don't run to the first pick. I mean, if, you, if you're going to, if you see the weather breaking, you think you're, you know, a week or so away from, or two weeks away from, you know, the weather being decent, get the orange whip out, get the weighted club out, start stretching, start putting indoors, find a place to hit some balls. Don't, don't schedule your first round with your buds if you haven't had two or three or four rain sessions under your belt and hit some shots and you can at least get the thing on the ball on the club face. Cause you're going to go out there and commit golf suicide, and, and you're going to get, get the round, and the, and the year started on a really bad note. I mean, Bobby Knight told me, piss-poor preparation leads to piss-poor performance. <laughs> and I always remember what Coach said to me about that, and you, you can't play this game when you're not prepared. And, you, and you know, just from a timing standpoint, a, a balance and tempo standpoint, if you've been locked up indoors and done nothing all winter, you need to make a lot of repetitions you know, and, and not necessarily big repetitions or long clubs. Just hit tons and tons of wedges. Make some contact. You know, feel the feel the ball on the face. You know, be able to get to your left side in a balanced state. You know, work on the timing and tempo of your motion. Just just get the basic things. Like you said, grip, stance, aim, and alignment. You know, get get your posture in a good place. Take a little bit of video. Check in with maybe your professional. Um, don't run to the first tee. Just don't do that right away. And Tom, like I mentioned in your intro, you've added some really great content to your YouTube channel over the last few days. Um, let's talk about scoring irons. Seven, eight, nine, pitching wedge, sand wedge. You, you call those precision irons, not distance irons. And we should hit them as if we're throwing darts. Talk about what that means. Well, I mean, you know, Chris, you turn in, tune into CBS on Sunday afternoon and you'll hear things like, you know, JT's hitting a you know grip down eight iron, or Tom Morcaro's holding off on a, holding off a nine iron, or he's hitting a, a knockdown wedge. Those guys don't hit very many full shots inside 150 or 160 yards. Uh, and, and I mentioned that in my in my uh, my video both on Titleist.com and on my YouTube channel where you can find all this content. I, I mentioned a lot about. You know, gripping down on the club a little bit, making a three-quarter, three-quarter motion. I talk about the, the green. Don't think about hitting greens. Think about hitting the quadrant of the green that you, that you see the pin in, whether it's front left, front right, back left, or back right. You know, aim small, miss small, aim big, miss big. Controlling the ball flight, controlling the trajectory. You know, playing, playing very, very controlled golf shots. 
uh, in what I call the scoring range. Uh, I don't hit any full shots, any full shots from 150 and in. For example, Chris, if I stood on a range with you and we had a track man on and we hit some seven irons, my seven iron would be about 165 yard club. On the golf course, it's like a 152, 155 club. It's, it's never 100%. It's always some kind of controlled action to control the quality of contact, the spin rate, and the trajectory in the online start. Um, I, I don't see great players hitting many, very many full short irons, and I consider seven iron to L-wedge short irons. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing. Again, your YouTube channel and all of that. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to go yet. I don't want to go yet. I want to talk more. Let's, can we talk more? I don't want to go. I don't know. You'd have to ask Tom Pertzer. There's all the, all the usual animals, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, com. But what about, what about your ranking on Podcast Magazine? Let's talk about that for a second, just for one second. Okay. I mean, that is unbelievable. You have done an incredible job. You are the man in golf podcasts. Nobody's even close to you, dude. You're the best. Look at the lineup you have, mate. British Open champion, four winners, some old washed-up teacher. I mean, it's unbelievable <laughs> the people you put. I mean, you know, it, it, seriously, you know, aside from me, which is like, you know, like you throw me a bone. People you have on are incredible. How do you do it, man? You are, you don't belong in some podcast. What, what is ESPN listening? Is, is serious radio listening? Is Are the Golf Channel people listening to you? I mean, dude, it's only a matter of time. You're the best in the whole world. Well, I appreciate you saying that, DP. And from your lips to God's ears, my friend. You're fantastic. I can't wait uh, two more weeks. You'll be back. Show number 61. Tell uh Tell Mr. Perch and Mr. Kalkovecki I said hi. They're great people, great players. And, and listen, does Tom Perch have a beautiful golf swing or what? That's all I got to say. Yeah. To that. 100%. If, if I could copy-paste, I'd do it right now. Oof. I think we all would. Oof. So, Oof. Have a great night, Chris. All right, TP. Take care, my friend. That's Bye. a great Tom Patry. TomPatry.com is the website. YouTube channel. Just put in this in the search, Tom, uh, Tom Patry, because... So many great lessons and a whole bunch got uploaded this week that I, that I liked and watched and I can't say enough great things. A, about Tom Patry, the man. B, Tom Patry, the instructor. And C, the amount of free content that he is giving all of us to improve our golf game. Looking forward to catching up with TP again.